Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello everyone and welcome. I'm actually sitting in my office today and I'm not with Ray. I'm with my good friend Gerard. How are you, G? I'm okay, thanks. I, um, I'm sitting here sort of lifting off myself the pressure to be like Ray. But um, there's only one Ray. <laughs> His wisdom is amazing. But So I'm a bit different, you know, but that's okay. I'll just be myself. Yeah, well, you're here and it, you're, you're a great stand-in because Ray is off sunning himself in Tenerife. And we do hope he's having a, a great time away, don't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely lovely. I'm so glad he's having that holiday. God, mm. God bless you, Ray. And Nicola? So we're meeting to do... Not Ray's take, it's going to be uh, Pete and Gerard's take on our Sunday talk. Mm. Um, and so Sunday, which was yesterday, uh, we looked at Luke 19, 28 to 40, which yep. was on um, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and my particular focus was on perspective um, and looking at the crowd and how their perspectives maybe differed from what God's perspective was. Um, but interestingly, for those who might have attended the earlier service, Hugh Bon had a different take on those same verses when he spoke at the, at the, at the communion service. So, Gerard, for you who attended both, what, what were your thoughts sort of after yesterday? Well, can I just say that as I sat listening to Hugh Bon, I had this tremendous feeling of God's favour on him. And this was a first for Hugh, wasn't it, talking? Yeah. And that in itself, that sort of sense of God's favour and his fatherhood and his love somehow pervaded the atmosphere. Now that, in a way, it relates to the triumphal entry because people thought Jesus was going to come and over, overthrow the Romans. They thought, you know, the, the, the type of salv- salvation he was bringing and who he was was going to be a muscly... Um, you know, armour-wearing, vanquishing kind of salvation. But this is essentially at the heart of the difference between Christianity and other faiths. We, I hope, are all deeply respectful of people's views and the the way they see life and we can consider things and so on. But, you know, you see a lot of people's belief systems being very territorial. They want to overthrow a country and then force everyone to believe what they believe or whatever. One sees a lot of that worked out in wars in the world, sometimes erroneously in the name of, you know, Jesus, which is just wrong. Mm, um, you know, we see that the Russian Orthodox Church has excommunicated other Orthodox churches and they want to, you know, make sure that they, you know, people know that they are the one. But I, I personally don't have that view. I don't feel like uh, within the Christian church anyone's got a monopoly on the truth, but we're all working it out together. But what we do know is that our faith in Christianity is not territorial. We want to see people surrender their hearts to God individually, and that will affect their lives enormously, but it's not necessarily an overthrow um, physically. I find it really interesting 
were we speaking a week or two ago about messianic Jews um, and Christianity is the, uh, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I feel like it's the only faith that is non-cultural, it is, it is open to all. But there are still the Messianic Jews who would like to refer to themselves as Jewish because they're culturally, that's their heritage, they're culturally Jewish, but they believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Isn't that mm. interesting? It is interesting, but also it's interesting that they don't lose something that is deep in their Jewish culture, which I really admire, and that is they really know how to lament and they really know how to celebrate. And in the West, we have made Christianity, we've reduced the emotion of it. Um, I personally feel that that particularly comes from history. In the 19th century, it was often preached that, you know, Jesus didn't really weep, he didn't show emotions. Your emotions are fallen, subjugate them. This is not biblical. Biblical truth is that um, we are completely fallen and we can be completely redeemed you know, by the power of God in us, by our, our understanding of who he is, by being filled <clears throat> with the Holy Spirit. And our emotions can be a great thing. The Jewish people haven't lost that sense where you express your joys and sorrows profoundly through emotion. Um, and you see that in the triumphal entry because, yeah, he was this absolutely upside-down world. He's riding on a donkey rather than a brilliant white charger looking like Lancelot. Um, he's just coming in humbly, but the joy was palpable. You know, there was, but but he wept over Jerusalem, didn't he? Yeah. Just before the triumphal entry, he stood and looked over the city, and he wept. And actually, the shortest verse in the entire Bible came just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, which was three days before this. Mm. And the shortest verse is Jesus wept, mm. just to really hammer home the importance. That is one verse. Jesus wept. Absolutely, he was emotional. Mm. Um, I see what you're saying then about the Messianic Jews. They, by holding on to their, uh, their heritage, mm. they, they therefore don't lose all those stuff that is so intrinsic and built. It is. It's powerful, the sense of the Jewish calendar. And our Christian calendar isn't as emotionally expressed. And yet, uh, obviously, I'm not wanting to judge people and I don't want to turn everyone into a super emotional person like myself. I'm a musician, I'm very emotional, but but it's just good to feel things deeply. Um, actually, I'm learning quite a lot about that myself at the moment, the way people feel things differently and respecting people who are, you know, quite sort of quiet and internal or whatever. Um, I think I understand that extroverts uh, are often amon and often can be quite dominating because we're troubling the air and the waters you know, in order to sort of stimulate ourselves in some way. So I think actually being at peace in God is very profound, but it doesn't exclude also being emotional, lamenting and celebrating. We see it in the life of Jesus and in Jewish culture. Uh, great to see the Messianic Jews celebrating in that way. Um, but it's an upside-down kingdom, isn't it? Because we're talking about what's going on internally, um, how God is recreating people you know redeeming them filling them changing them and um, I think this is what's at the heart of this talk yesterday your talk it's an upside down world it wasn't what they expected it never is with God actually is it no you know and I actually left and through the afternoon even though I had my children I found myself returning back just just thinking about some of the words I said you know, the, the, the Jewish people had waited for 400 years after, you know, the restoration of um, 
uh, of, of the temple, um, you know, after the Babylonian exile. They had 400 years of waiting for the Messiah. And here comes the Messiah and they're waiting to be freed from oppression. And, you know, that was what the, the, the words Hosanna, they really rooted in. God was going to save them. But my goodness, how, how much they underestimated what that oppression was. Yes, it was oppression, but it was oppression from sin. And not just for them, but for all people. It, you know, really, to hammer it home, my goodness me, it was uh, to free the Romans, to free Gentiles, to free all people from oppression. How far wrong did they get God's plan? And actually, God, that leads me to think how sometimes, where well, I think this is where God's leading me, how often do I put ring fences around things or how narrow is my vision where God may want me doing something which is far beyond. It's the same theme, but far beyond. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And I find myself asking the question then, did, they, did their expectation build for 400 years in its error, you know, in the sense that they really expected the vanquishing, you know, tank driver to come in and blast away the kingdom they didn't like? Or, or you know, that's that's one point, but I, we can't answer that, I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily forged in error because they were just reading their prophetic scriptures and, and hooking into that. But what I do feel is that in our age, we've lost a sense of waiting over generations for anything because we're the people that want to be pleased now, mm. the fast food generation. And you very rarely find people now who plant forests uh, or... Uh, you know, tree-lined avenues that will not be seen by them or their children, but then the following generation, you know, building for the future and looking to the future and having a long-term vision is missing in our culture now. So I think we miss out on elements of the Christian story that build expectation in our lives that God in history is going to do something. And equally, when we do read those prophetic words that say, you know, a saviour will be born if we were born before Jesus and we were talking about it. Um, you know, we, we, can, we can dwell on those um, on one level, um, but we don't always just get what is going to happen as we wait. You know, the kingdom is really upside down, is always going to take us by surprise. And the only way of kind of being rooted and stable within that is to have a relationship with God and not just knowledge about him. So we can have a, a huge knowledge of scripture but if we're not walking with him and know him and hear his voice, my sheep will hear my voice, says Jesus. Um, they will know my voice, rather. Sorry, that's correct. My sheep will know my voice. So, you know, that really is our daily experience, that we talk to him and we wait. And in time, if not immediately, we get answers, you know. And because the trouble is, if we expect God to act instantaneously, as you spoke about that fast food culture, then when we don't get answers, suddenly our faith becomes you know, on rocky ground where, where you know, um, well, actually I shouldn't say rocky ground, it should be, you know, on sand, you know, thinking of the parable of, the, you know, where we build our house. Mm. Um, the foundations become unstable. Yeah. And if we, are, if we are trusting in God that, you know, the, the promises will be, will come to fruition at some point, then we can be a lot firmer. And, you know, I was thinking about some family members that I've been, I've been praying for, um, and it took me back to a story I, I had just become a Christian and I was really praying and praying um, for my, my brother, one of my brothers, to, be, to sort of come to faith. And I was getting very impatient in my prayers. 
and um, I'm sure God put this person in my life at this time but this guy came up to me at this conference and I was having a nice chat with him and he was maybe about 80 years old and he told me that he he also had a twin and he had been praying for his twin for over 50 years and he had become a Christian like six months before that and I just stopped in my tracks and thought my goodness I've been praying for maybe a year about this this guy had to wait 50 years you know but you know kind of buck your ideas up just keep praying and stop being so impatient yeah yeah um, actually my, my grandmother prayed for me for 20 years before I became Christian and she prayed with great patience and I often think when we grasp something in God's word um, and sometimes sort of if you like claim it a promise or something like that and then we have a bit of a faith crisis because it doesn't happen as we speak it out and demand it you know we're trying we're basically saying subliminally um, my will be done rather than God's will be done but with that sense of patience and the development of our character as we have that is something that has uh you know come into my mind the importance of it in these kind of rather later years for me in a way just sort of it there's no shortcut to growing in that you know the, the patience is something you accumulate over time and by the way if you pray for patience you will be tested in that yeah <laughs> it's not a gift that god just dollops on you without any testing so we develop it as we develop our character and in that same way i think when you know, they saw the Saviour coming in, his triumphal entry, and there was it had been prophesied and so forth. But sometimes people read prophetic words in the Bible and they just think, that's it, it's there, therefore it's going to happen. But God is looking for people who love him, will love him, first commandment, you know, love your God with all your heart and soul and mind and being, and will live lives that will cause his kingdom to come. And... You know, it's not just a matter of opening your mouth and speaking a formula. It, you've got to love God and follow him and submit to him and, you know, keep short accounts with him. And in doing so, we can actually, I believe, accelerate God's will, you know, because, you know, we're obedient and therefore there's a sense that God's kingdom comes on the back of that. It's not just a formula that you read a word, speak it out and pro you proclaim it and then it's done. Obviously, may, well, people listening may know or may not know, but the Chinese underground church um, has been being persecuted for many years. But what's that story you, you've told me before about you know, their response when Western churches have asked for prayer? Well, the Western church um, asked the Chinese underground church, um, how can we pray for you? And their response was simply, um, thank you for asking us. We simply ask that you live lives that will cause God to listen. And that come, comes home to me very profoundly at the moment because we've got this terrible, terrible situation in Ukraine. And I watched one prayer meeting that someone sent me on a, you know, like a YouTube clip from America. And they were all praying and they had some kind of revelation, or so they believed, and maybe they had, about, about what was going on and why. And they felt so satisfied to have the revelation and it gave them a sense of the completeness of their prayer time and they went home so happy. But it hasn't changed the course of the war and we need to be on our knees praying for God's mercy so that our emphasis is on God himself. Will you end this war? Will you bring peace? Will you affect it? Rather than just feeling perhaps pleased with ourselves because we understand something about it or why this is happening. 
you know, there's just a sense where it's all about God and all about our humility. Humility's got to be the thing, isn't it? You know, Jesus showed consummate humility riding on a donkey, coming in to Jerusalem that way. Extraordinary moment in history. I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking, is there a link between sort of the message that we came away from yesterday? You know, I, I spoke over as about getting a new perspective on things and what we're kind of talking about now, which is about the uh, where our life, what we're the kind of life we're leading. What do you think? What do you think is a sort of um, takeaway message? Do you have a particular one from this? Or well, I think we could connect it with something you said earlier in our fellowship this year, and that is lay it all down. The whole thing's going to be upside down. The more we lay down our agendas, the more we will see what the reality is here. You know. We don't want um, our neighbours, who hopefully we love, to become religious people. We want them to become fulfilled people. Jesus came to fulfil and to fill and to, you know, complete people, you know. And whether they end up being churchgoers will be a fruit of how they feel. And obviously our job as a kind of fellowship and a newly formed kind of amalgam fellowship is to find the heart of God and, and reflect it and lay down our agendas. And I think this passage has been good to, to think about that. It's all upside down. So the sooner you lay down your agenda, the the more uh, we're gonna see God come and show us what he wants to do, and how he wants to impact the hearts of people in our community. Um, and can I say, I'm, I, I feel inspired by you, Pete, because I, I see you even now going, th- as, a, as our leader, going through changes and for example, not that people need to know this, but you're becoming more emotional than you were. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. No, It's I manifesting, it, yeah. It is. And it's not that, you know, I think, I personally think, um, you know, I, I give thanks that you see God and that you feel things more and more deeply. That's what I see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I get very emotional at least once a week, and it's when I'm writing my, my talk for Sunday. Um, I think the things are impacting me deeper. You're right in that. Yeah, I, I've definitely always had an emotional you know, awareness and all that kind of stuff, but definitely things are impacting me more deeply. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So I look forward, um, like you illustrated the other week, um, the, the anointing of the oil... Uh, yeah, out yeah. on Jesus, the expensive oil, and you've got something to pour. You got was it your daughter was pouring oil on? It wasn't oil. It was, it was water. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we also have a psalm to consider in that how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like oil on the beard. So you're clearly building up towards this service, mm. and uh, I look forward to that. It'd be emotional, Pete, to smother you in Mazzola. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I'm flippant. Uh, we're talking about really deep things, but, yeah. you know, um, it's, a, it's powerful and beautiful to so consider these passages. Yeah. Um, well, Gerard, thank you so much for your time today. And, um, you know, maybe I'll call on you again if, when Ray needs to take a break for some reason, if you're yeah. willing and able. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ray is my hero as well as yours, and we love him so much and plumbed his wisdom for many years. So, you know, we're just... Yeah, all going in the same direction. Absolutely. Well, thanks. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.